You're listening to the Reynolds Hotbox. 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 The Reynolds Hotbox. Oh snap! I got it. Hello, welcome, welcome. This is Cat Polider here with Eric Jorgensen. This is the Reynolds Hotbox Sports Desk. Welcome back to episode two of Fringe Sportscast. That is sports where you wear lots of fringe. <laughs> and tassels. <laughs> yeah, like riding the rodeo. Right on. Yeah, so I'm Kat. I'm Eric. And this is our guest. Hi, I'm Justin. Okay, sweet. So Justin, I brought you in because you like to do a very interesting thing. Walking on, uh, what is it, a wiggly noodle? <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the jokes that we say, yeah, slack line. Nice. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about what slacklining is for people who may have never heard of it? Uh, sure. So slacklining is like a balance sport, uh, similar to like tightrope walking, I guess. Um, only instead of a rope, we walk on webbing. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of it being cranked super tight, we walk on it like pretty loose. Okay. Wait, yeah. so what's the benefits of it being loose versus a tight line? Um, so like tightrope walkers will use like a balancing pole. Uh, because the line is so tight that you can't really manipulate it with your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the, when the line's looser, you can kind of like, I don't know, you sink into it a little bit and you're able to manipulate and balance with just your own body. So we don't use like a balancing pole or anything like that. Okay. And so the slack lining, where where do you set up your lines a lot of the time? Um, in the park mostly. Uh, that's kind of like the training grounds, you know, just tree to tree. Mm-hmm. Um not too high off the ground or anything like that. That's where most people learn. Mm-hmm. And then how long have you been slacklining for? Um, I think like four or five years, probably like closer to five years. Okay. What drew you to the sport? Um, so I was actually having some like uh, health issues mm-hmm. and uh, I was like experiencing some vertigo and dizziness kind of stuff. And so I came across slacklining and thought it would be a good way to like train my mind to like balance uh, in order to like combat some of that like dizziness that I had going on. So that's how I found it out and started doing it. Has it helped? I think so. Uh, I still have like episodes that I deal with, but I like having the skill to walk on the slack line like helps me mentally be able to like overcome that kind of stuff, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Have you ever gotten vertigo while you're all on a slack line? Um, On a high line, maybe. Oh my God. But like not like actual like spinning vertigo, but it Kind of like feels similar just because, you know, you're way off the ground. Yeah. Can you describe what highlining is? Uh, yeah. So highlining is um, it's basically the same thing as the slack line, only it's uh, up in the air. Um, there's no like designated height, um, but we tend to rig like across canyons or, um, you know, cliff to cliff, things like that, where you're like exposed up in the air. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what what's the longest line you've? done because with with highlining you have to do long distances a lot of the time right uh yeah um i would say like the shortest high lines are probably like 20 to 30 meters um slack lining is a very international sport so we tend to uh think of slack or high line lengths in like meters Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a universal measurement that we don't fully understand in the u.s very much but yeah i was like what's a meter yeah (laughs) it's like it's close to a yard, roughly like three feet. So it's like d- 
multiply by three. So like a 20 meter line would be like roughly like 60 feet, I think, somewhere in there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the longest line I've ever crossed, I think was only like 80 meters, which is like 160, 170 feet. I've been on bigger lines, but I haven't crossed all like that far. So the farthest I've crossed the line is like 80 meters. That's wild. So <laughs> yeah. I bet if it's windy up there, does that influence it? Does the line start to wobble? Like what's it like? Can you describe what it's like walking on a high line? Um, yeah, walking on a high line. Man, how do I describe it? It's a very kind of surreal feeling. It's, uh, I don't know. It's not like anything else you can really compare it to because there's like like 360 degree exposure, right? So like, you know, when you're skiing or something like that, you have exposure if you're going down a steep run, but you're, you still have the ground, right? When you're on like on a high line out in between like two cliffs, you have 360 exposure. There's you know, space below you, around you, and above you. So it's very surreal. You just kind of, like, feel like you're, like, walking through the sky. It's, it's pretty great. Wow. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I want to try it. <laughs> I've, I've only done – I've done park lines, and I think the highest, like, tallest line I was ever on was, like, I don't know, nine feet tall. So it was, like, don't fall, but, like, I don't know. It wasn't – I've never experienced that complete exposure. And when you're on a line, are you wearing a harness? Do you have a tether line? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we take safety very seriously. Um, I'm always harnessed in. Uh, we use climbing harnesses, uh, and we use the same figure eight knot and like a climbing rope as a leash that attaches to both the main and the backup line. So all the gear is rated. It's all very safe. Um, there are people that do like free solo, but that's very, very niche, and uh, that's a whole different Hold it for an animal. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 My palms are sweating. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess uh, what uh, – can you tell us a story about one of um, – like uh, a line you walked across or an experience you had while slacklining or highlining that was, um, I guess, formative for you or that sticks in your mind? Um, yeah, I could probably give you like two. Ooh. If okay. that's okay. That sounds awesome. Um, probably like the first one would just be like when I actually crossed my park line for the first time, you know. Um, you know, I was kind of like embarrassed or like shy with slacklining because you get a lot of stares when you're in the park. You know, people are like, oh, what's this thing? This is weird, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would like just go out into the woods and just like <laughs> <laughs> find a spot like um, where no one could see me um, and – I found actually a lot of peace out there, you know, just kind of like being in nature. And uh, I remember like rigging my line and just falling so many times and then like finally being able to like kind of crack the code and walk all the way across it and just being like so stoked. Like so that's definitely one that sticks in my head. Uh, the other one, probably this summer, a couple of months ago, we went to Yosemite and uh, we rigged Taft Point. I don't know if you're familiar with Taft Point. I am. Yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a giant wall of granite in case – look up Taft Point, but uh, yeah. it's a huge wall of granite. It's like 3,000 feet of just sheer cliff down to the valley floor, yeah. You're looking down on El Capitan, if that gives you any perspective. Oh yeah, so that was um, definitely a bucket list for me, something I've kind of been building up to and hoping to do, um, and just like – I don't know, actually getting that line rigged was an accomplishment and then being able to 
you know, get the send, which is like going from one end to the other without falling, uh, is, is something I'll never forget. I mean, there was probably like 40 or 50 tourists, like all gathered around and uh, just, just being out there, like over, you know, all that 3000 feet of exposure over those cliffs and just being able to walk all the way to the other side is, it's pretty magical. What does that feel like? Like what's going through your mind while you're like, I am in the air 3000 feet above solid ground. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that takes a lot of practice to like be able to do because like when you first start highlining your instincts and your mind is just doing everything it can to get you off of there and back to safety. Right. Uh, so it's a very mental challenge to like overcome, uh, just, you know, those instincts of your entire being wanting to get you off of that thing. Um, but once you kind of get over that, uh, it's just really focusing in on, on like the small things. You don't want to think too much about like, you know, that you're 3000 feet over, you know, the ground. It's just like feeling the webbing under your feet, you know, like, uh, breath work is a big one, you know, so just really focusing on your breath, making sure that you're breathing first of all. And then, uh, just the breath in general is a big one, you know, um, relaxing your muscles. Like you have to consciously tell yourself like, cause you're so tense, right? Like, so like consciously telling yourself like, relax, you know? Uh, and then you kind of just get into like, you know, the flow state, which is like where you're just kind of in that like meditative mindset where you just kind of are not really thinking about anything else other than just in the moment, what you're doing. It's pretty pretty special, I think. Wow. Well, that sounds so cool. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've experienced that a little bit. I uh, This summer was slacklining over water, and um, it was kind of cold. Actually, it was very cold, and so I was, like, very motivated not to fall. But at the same time, I it was something that I was really scared about. I was like, I don't know. Like, this is – haven't stepped on a line in a while, but it was nice. Like, once you find a point that you can just focus on – and your entire focus is on that and your breathing. And like like you said, feeling the webbing under your feet. Like that was the thing was like mm-hmm. feeling the webbing under your toes was really cool to sink into. Yeah, totally. Water lining is really challenging um, because the current of the water moves under you. And it, mm-hmm. like it's a whole another element you have to consider. Yeah. 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 I was trying not to look at the water because yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, that's the moving object. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Luckily, it was pretty still, though. There was just like a little current. It was in Santa Cruz. It was like nice. Ooh. Yeah. yeah I mean, overcoming fear, I think, is a huge part of not only highlining, but everything that we do, you know? Yeah. That's wild. And especially if you like adrenaline, then the fear is nice. There's <laughs> something nice about getting your heartbeat going like, far, like with skiing. Like I we dropped a... A big line off of, uh, oh, what is it? The Eagle's Nest at Palisades last year. I didn't do it proper, but still, just being up there and you're like, oh, God, oh, God. And your heartbeat's going and you're, like, scared. But that's yeah. part of it. Like, it's, I love that feeling. Yeah. It's great. We call it type two fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely. I was really little. I wasn't afraid of spiders. And then somehow, between fifth and seventh grade, I developed a whole bunch of phobias that I didn't have as a younger kid, which, I mean, well, that obviously talks about what kind of childhood I had, no, that, that I mm-hmm. developed phobias. Yeah. But uh, I was about 15, and a buddy of mine had a pet tarantula, and he was 
playing with the tarantula. He says, hey, do you want to hold it? And, and I knew in my head, okay, I know that tarantulas can't bite people. They're venomous, but only you know, their mouths are so small they can't bite people. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, in my head, I know this spider can't hurt me. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I didn't tell him. Oh, I've got a phobia. But I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, sure, I'll. And it was walking on my hand, and it was just, I'm really ticklish. And so the, each of its legs had all these hairs. So it's like being tickled in many spots at the same time. And I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. And he says, hey, it's really cool to feed it a cricket in your hand. Do you want to feed the spider? I'm like, yeah, mm. sure, sure, why not? I've, I've gone this far, why not? he reaches for his box of crickets and the sudden movement spooked the spider and I didn't even see it move. It went and it ran up my sleeve to hide. Uh -uh. (laughs) And I started hyperventilating and and he said, oh, oh, don't, don't. He was afraid that I was going to squish the spider. No, no, don't move. I got it. And he lifted my shirt up and he he got the spider and, and It scared my phobia right out of me. So now I just don't, I don't like spiders the same way I don't like having cockroaches or ants crawling on me. You know, I just don't like stuff on me. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. You know, so it's, it was just kind of weird. I got so, like, wow, that's as scared as I've ever been. And it didn't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh, well. That's odd. That's so, you're not, so you weren't afraid of spiders in the same way after? No. In fact, I, I would even take pictures of it with my, my macro lens. I was just so proud of myself. Like, look how close I'm getting to this spider. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Maybe I should try that with black widows, but, but actually, no, no. But yeah, yeah, so much of sports is like overcoming fear, which is so good and also terrifying, but healthy. Especially if it's in like a safe way, like when you're on a yeah. line and you have a harness on, for example. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Overcoming that fear, like... When I'm climbing and there's like a big move and I'm like, okay, like this is scary. I might take a whip, but like trusting all your gear placements before. So like mm-hmm. having that that safety barrier, that that like that safety net, while also taking risks. We are gonna take a quick break with a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Welcome. Hello. We are the Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Podcasts. Client services. Special projects. Documentaries. We are a production center at, at the, the Reynolds, Reynolds School, School of, of Journalism. Journalism. The Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around. Let's get back to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's, I guess a lot of people will probably ask, like, what motivates you to step on a, a big, scary line? What motivates me? Um... It's a very, like, personal motivation, I think. You know, there's not really any reward you get from it. There's not any monetary value, like, professional highlining. There, I don't know. Maybe there's a handful of people. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's not really any external motivations. I think it's it's very personal, um, at least for me. It's just wanting that accomplishment, you know, or or kind of chasing that flow state, right? Like, just when you get into these moments of like a moving meditation flow state, it's just like such an incredible feeling, you know, I think that's like, at least for me, my motivation. Yeah. Finding that like Zen or peace. Yeah. The Zen totally. Mm -hmm. Has it 
been a positive impact on like your physical and mental health, would you say? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like, you know, you have to, you have to stay in shape in order to, to slack line and especially highlining, you know, having to climb back up and all that, you don't have the ground at all. So it's challenging physically for sure. And yeah, mentally, uh, it does a lot for, for boosting mental health, I think. Yeah. That's so cool. What would you tell somebody who might want to try slacklining, but is very intimidated by it? Or they see you in the park and they're like, that looks cool, but I could never do that. Like, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say, yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I would just say, start small, you know, just, um, you rig a line or, or do something that's really low to the ground, really short, you know, uh, not a lot of consequence for falling off and, and just stay determined because it's a steep learning curve. It's not something that you just, most people just can hop on and start doing, you know, you're going to fall a lot. Um, but it's like riding a bike, you know, once you, once you kind of figure it out, um, you, you get the hang of it and, also, like, if someone wants to try, like, I would say don't be afraid to, like, approach if you see somebody slacklining in the park or something like that. You know, I think most of the slackliners I've met are all, like, really friendly and super chill people. So, like, if you, you know, wanted to come up and say, hey, can I try? Like, I don't think any very many people would tell you no. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's that's one of my favorite things is when you, like, rig a line and other people come and hang out. I actually had a really nice experience um, this summer. When I was uh, I was road tripping in my van uh, up through Northern California and Oregon, and we stopped in Ashland and got totally vortexed because Ashland is super cool, and we set up a line, and then um, <laughs> these people came over, and uh, there's this fellow, and he's like the bubble guy of Ashland. He like blows the biggest bubbles I've ever seen, but then it turned into like bubble dodgeball while slacklining. So like <laughs> my friends were blowing bubbles at us and you have to avoid the bubbles while you're slacking. And then also like we did one where you like hold the bubble rods and are trying to blow bubbles while you're slacklining. And it was amazing. It was hilarious. And it's really hard to dodge things while you're on a line, <laughs> <laughs> even if they're bubbles. <laughs> right. No, that sounds super fun. It was great. Lots of shenanigans. Yeah. People do like juggling and all kinds of stuff on slack lines it's pretty amazing to watch it's very circusy in a way it does kind of have a circusy vibe a little bit or again i mean also a huge climbing vibe because like i mean a, a little bit about the history of it like it didn't evolve out of climbers with webbing and they were like hey let's put up a line yeah i think so uh like yosemite campsites climbing campsites i think is where it started mm-hmm. it just yeah climbing webbing rigged up between some trees okay. you know after a day of climbing and just trying to balance on it right and speaking of rigging how can you describe you're saying rigging at taft point was a feat in itself like how did you get how did you rig that line because it's just like a pillar of granite far away and detached how did somebody get a line over there and set it up um so lines like that where it's on sheer rock they're bolted almost all the time uh, so we tend to use the same bolts that climbers use. Um, I'm not sure if the ones on tap point are, are bolted specifically for the high line or not. I think they are, but, um, a lot of times we share bolts with the climbers. And so we just rig off of those bolts, which are insanely strong, um, using climbing rope and, you know, the webbing, which is specific for, for high lining, which is, like I said, all tested and rated and everything like that. Um, it's, it's overkill 
by so much, you know, mm-hmm. that all that gear, they do brake tests um, on all that gear, just similar to like climbing gear, right? You know, braking carabiners to see how strong they are. And, uh, we, we like to operate with like a five to one safety ratio. So like something breaks at, uh, I don't know, say like 40 kilonewtons or like mm-hmm. 40,000 pounds of force. Mm-hmm. We're only putting maybe 5,000 pounds of force on that. So we're like well within a five to one uh, safety ratio. And that's, uh, I mean, with, with anything rigging related, you don't ever want to operate near your max braking strength, mm-hmm. right? So the max braking strength of a piece of gear, you want to have at least a three to one safety ratio, but we prefer five to one. So the maximum forces that we're going to put on something are either three to one or five to one, mm-hmm. you know, less than whatever the, the maximum braking strength. So we're not coming anywhere near pushing that gear to its limit. Um, the main the main thing you really need to worry about with rigging high lines is abrasion. Um, you know, when webbing or rope rubs on the rock, especially mm-hmm. once that's under tension, because we do still tension it. It's just not as tight as a tightrope, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get a rope or, or a piece of webbing that's under two or 3,000 pounds of tension. And uh, if that's on a, a sharp piece of rock or something, I mean, it'll cut it in no time. And so we make sure that we pad everything or do the best we can to have the gear away from any sharp or, you know, um, angles that are too severe, stuff like that, that could damage um, the, the rope in that way. Yeah, and do you have two lines, like a safety line and the line you're walking on, or how does that work? Yep, so we always have a backup line, which is, um, it, that line is not under tension, um, but it's rigged separately so, to where, like, if we did have a main line failure, which is incredibly rare, mm-hmm. uh, the, the backup line, in theory, would catch you. <laughs> never happened. No, it, it has happened. They've Actually, there's people that have tested it. You could look it up on YouTube. There's a guy who was on a high line and had his girlfriend cut the main line with a <gasps> knife so he could take a backup fall. Yeah. No. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Oh, my God. That, I can't think of their relationship. Wow, that's a lot of trust. Yeah. I don't uh. yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Like, sorry, babe. Uh, you know all those times we've gotten in an argument? We're just going to slice this right here. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, pretty incredible to see that. That's wild. But it saved him, right? It saved him. Okay, yeah, he's still God. around. Just, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> wild. Um, cool. And then, so for Taft Point, did somebody climb Taft Point then to get it, the rigging up over there? Uh, so Taft Point uh, is not actually a pinnacle. Uh, Taft Point is just cliff to cliff, mm-hmm. and there's like little cutouts in the cliff. So we act- you can actually just walk mm-hmm. around the side. So gotcha. uh, you just, you know started at one point and then we have a tagline which is like a smaller rope that we use mm-hmm. to get across first and then we'll pull the webbing across but yeah tap point was actually a really easy rig in that regard because you can just walk it around the side of the cliff back to the other side like a cove kind of yeah yeah because yeah. one time i was in yosemite and uh i was hiking yosemite falls for my birthday and there was people rigging a lost arrow spire and um to do that they were climbing to I don't know how that would work. Like, do you climb with a tagline? Like, or like, how would you rig that? Like across a canyon or if you're climbing a spire? Uh, yeah, I think they would just climb with the tagline. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost Arrow Spire is a pretty complicated rig. I can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
there's three, I think there's three lines that go off of the spire. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of them are just on sheer, the anchors are just on sheer cliff. So basically if the people who are rigging what we call the static side, which would be opposite of the spire, which is like on the cliff side, it's just a rappel down straight down a cliff. And then you're just sitting in your harness, you know, dangling however many thousands of feet over the, the valley floor, just rigging a anchor like that. And then, yeah, the tagline would then go to the spire, if that makes any sense. I think, was it, can't remember who was telling me that uh, drones are now being used to get taglines across canyons. Yeah, drones are definitely the most efficient way to tag a high line. Uh, however, Yosemite does not allow drone flying. So uh, if that does happen, you know, uh, it's black it. ops, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. wild. Oh, that's so cool. Well, Justin, is there anything else you want to add about uh, slacklining and highlining and the community and all that? Um, I mean, speaking of Yosemite, um, I guess if I could make any point, it would just be like um, just the importance of like preserving, uh, you know, these national parks and, and these wildland places that we have. You know, it's something that really hit me. Uh, when we were at Taft Point was just like how special an opportunity it is that we have a place where we can do these things, you know, where people can go climb El Capitan or you can, you know, rig a high line. And like this kind of precedent has been set to utilize these like um, these places in that way and I think that's very special and even just for hiking or you know outdoor recreation in general I think it's like super important to like preserve um these these parks and these areas that we have that would be my like PSA I guess I don't know I love it yeah no it's huge that's totally huge especially like recreating and just enjoying nature in the outdoors I totally feel that I'm like we gotta protect this yeah exactly like take care of it be good stewards of the land and the people who came before us and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Once that nature is gone, there aren't any billionaires planning to uh, fix it back up again. I know, right? If anything, the opposite. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the concern. Developing these places. That's what we don't want to happen. I, I used to have a job spraying weeds and we'd be out someplace untouched and incredibly beautiful. And I'd always point to the top of the mountain and say, that's a great spot for a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. And people would laugh because they knew I was joking, but there are people who actually think that. They look at the forest and say, I could make hundreds of dollars cutting down all these trees. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. wild. It's Anywhere like... USA, just build a strip mall in a parking lot, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> I know. These are my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild, though. I think... Uh, Especially with uh, outdoor sports and uh, adventure sports, it's so important to, like, get more people involved and also just, like, tell people about uh, how how wondrous it can be to be out in nature. Because, like, there's something really special about uh, bringing passion for the outdoors to lots of people. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Join us next time for Fringe Sportscast. Make sure to give us a follow over there at the Reynolds Sandbox and Reynolds Hotbox on that good old social media. Bye.